I was wrong. Listen- you were right. About what? Bethany Hamilton. Yeah. Of- I-, I was thinking about a difference so far. Yeah. Yeah. You are. I like, like how you're like, movie. I like how you're like, of course I'm right. <laughs> Why would there, I ever there, be wrong? But there was like a whole movie. Like we did a I didn't watch book it. report and a movie re- review for school. Like oh, oh, oh. it's literally in our curriculum to know that she was attacked by a shark. So yeah. that's there, right. There was another serpent that was attacked by a um, seal. Mm-hmm. It's not very often the seal like mistakes the human for food and just gets it wrong. Yeah, well, that's what happens with sharks as well, particularly when they're on their boards. They're like, oh, that's like kind of a no, weird. No, sharks come hunting for humans. Sharks are very mean and bad. Not all sharks. <laughs> that's not true. Anyways, you're listening to the breakfast show, and we have another clue for the quiz. What creature am I? This one is worth, I think we don't have five, four, three, two. This is worth 200 points. Yes. Job said his body was clothed with scabs and these creatures. Mm. So my man Job, who lost everything, mm-hmm. also got displaced. He said his body was clothed with scabs and these creatures. 0491064669. Um, and you can win the double prize, the re- set of revived cookbooks of volume one and two mm, amazing and then of course that comes with the promise of inviting us over and you get to cook for us yeah you're yeah. welcome yeah, it's a promise the winner has to make that's right the, yeah, the winner, winner yeah, the, yeah we promise to turn up and eat we'll eat <laughs> well actually I got a text from Braden. he says still waiting for my visit i believe you want a board game or he's like uh, though i i don't think some of you are game so yeah. he's, he's just calling us out here. Well, to be honest, I'm not a huge board gamer. So Really? I mean, I love Scrabble. Okay. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Fair I, so I have this unusual win streak happening with board oh, games. Here we go. And it's that every time I play a board game for the first time, no matter how difficult oh, yeah. it is, mm-hmm. I always win. Yeah. And then by the time I play it again, I'll, I'll lose. Yeah. But when I play a board game for the first time... I, is it, is it possible sh- because you're receiving help from someone who knows what they're doing? Not really, not really. Like I'll play, I'll play against Harley, or I will play against a whole bunch of people. I think people it's because he's taking it easy on you. No, no, because, because that's then not, he gets that's, re- not a, that's not a you thing. Like I have that as well. That's, but but then he gets really. And then Harley, Harley, my friend Harley, gets really bumped because he keeps losing, and he's like, yeah. But then that's why the second round he'll be like, right, no more Mister Nice Guy, and that's when the new no, person gets no, pummeled. it doesn't work like it's that. Legit. It doesn't it's work legit. like that. It does. Hey, we got a text You're message from Rafa. No, I'm. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> snowman campaign. What a great idea. I can only imagine how happy the children must be and feel. Laughter and smiles is the best medicine according to the Bible. And that's Amen. what the Bible says in, in the book of Proverbs. It says that a joyful heart that's is good, good for the soul. Yeah, it's like medicine for the soul. Yeah. And do you know what? Snowman, Billy Snowman is free, so it's not even like an expensive campaign. So, yeah, it is a really good idea. I agree with you, Raphael. Got another text message in regards to that. A couple of years ago, I saw a project where digital artists turned a kid's drawing of rockets into a 3D model. Oh, how Though cool. not as cool as the snowman. I think the idea of taking a kid's drawing and turning it into something tangible is such a cool idea. It is. It makes those kids feel so special. I have a tea towel from when my son went to kindy with the kids drawing, uh, with the drawing of themselves on it. Yeah, that's so cute. That's awesome. So every I time you mind those as well. So every time you're cleaning up their mess, you can remember. <laughs> yep, this is this is this is why I do I have, it. I have a tea towel from when I, I the whole school did a tiny little portrait of themselves, and every single one of them got printed and lined up on a tea towel, and I still oh, have really? it. Oh, really? 
Yeah, from like 1997. Is that like a Western Australian Tasmanian thing? I think it's a primary school thing. Okay, it's something I've never done. What do you mean Western Australian Tasmanian? That's where you went to school, right? No, Western Australia. Western Australia, My yeah. parents retired and moved to Tasmania in 2013, oh, okay. so it's only a recent thing that Tasmania. You're a West Aussie girl. Yeah. I have another text message here. Dancing lemurs, it is good news, but it saddens me to think that we think more about saving species than saving children. I will say no more. Heavy, heavy text message there, I think, in regards to, yeah, things we've been talking about here on The Breakfast Show. I forgot to mention those lemurs are going extinct because of deforestation in Madagascar, thanks to humans. Yep, that's, that's us. That's... That's yeah, that's what, us. <laughs> that's that's yeah, wow. that's what we're that's, that's what we're doing. <laughs> we're the extinctors. <laughs> Natural disasters: New Zealand, Turkey, and Syria. Constant reminders that Jesus is coming very, very soon. If you don't know him, today is the day to listen to the Holy Amen. Spirit, as we don't know what tomorrow brings to any of us. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation, and that is not because Jesus is coming down in the clouds today, although he could be. It's because today you have the ability to make a decision to follow. Him. Amen. And so we commit, and all of you, we commit all of you to prayer. We pray for you on the show. We pray for our listeners and we pray and we say, Lord, please help us and enable us to help the listeners to draw closer to you. Who sent so that text in? That was a good one. I like that. That was from, shout out Raphael for yeah, sending that in. Uh, we have another text message here. You can do nines times tables super quick on your fingers. Hold your hands in front of you. Okay, I'm doing that now. And bend down your third finger on your left hand. Okay, that's like the middle finger. All right. Bend down the third finger on your left hand. And then the th- the fingers and thumb on your left <laughs> is too... Okay. I'm, okay. This I'm, is terrible. Right I, 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 I can't do it. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Bruce shell is dying. Okay, so I bend down my middle finger... And then I look at oh, this. Oh, I get it. I, I, and that ends up being like the, the blank so in between. So it's two on one side and seven on the other. Ah. So the answer is 27. Oh, that's oh. so clever. Oh, hey. oh, test me, test me. Test me, test me. Ask me one. Uh, nine times what? Nine, nine times six. So I put down this one. So it's 54. Yeah. Oh. Did you say nine times six? No, she yeah. said nine times six. Oh, nine times six. Man, nice. that just changed my life. That's incredible. That just changed my life. I thought this was going to be like a funny joke about you can do it with your fingers by picking up your phone and looking at the calculator. <laughs> but that's way cooler. I like that. Yeah, I, I was actually very much conditioned in primary school. I think I was like one of the last generations of this. Maybe they still do this, but it was all about like you have to work out in your head. So any of that visual aid stuff oh. or workings out, it actually it hampers me from doing mathematics when I can't, I just do everything in my brain. That's just how it works. Oh, because you're uh, so clever. I, well, <laughs> I didn't say that. You said it. Uh, we have another one here. Wait, who said that about the, the fingers? Oh, shout out Suzanne for just. Yeah, thanks, Suzanne. Typing in the. Changing my life. Giving yeah. us great advice. We have Raphael. He says, wage parity is fair enough, but transgenders' right to compete. Uh, within other sex is totally unfair. Unfortunately, Mm. it's part of a woke system implanted by the New World Order. They are trying to bring the world to a state similar to the pre-flood state when God was forced to destroy it. Well, the Bible does say as we get closer to the end of time, it will be like the time of of Noah. Of course, you know, we have listeners text in and text in all 
kinds of things. And I think that this perspective is interesting and we're very thankful to share. I'm not exactly sure whether it's the new world order. I don't know who it is, but all we can see is what's causing it and what, what specifically what the effect is and, and what it means for what the Bible says. But thank you for the text message. Uh, we have another one here as well. Adra in Syria, wonderful work and miracles from God. It does remind me of God's protection in the last days of God's people. Let's pray for all the families that have been affected by these disasters and all the boots on the ground. Amen. May God supply all their needs through ADRA and all other organizations. And of course, I believe we've got some ADRA details here as well. Yes. So you can go to the website, which is ADRA, which is spelled by the way, A-D-R-A, stands for Adventist Disaster and Relief Agency. So ADRA.org.au. You can click on the donate now button for disaster relief. Or you can call 1-800-242-372 and ask to donate to the Turkey and Syria earthquake response. So andra.org.au, 1-800-242-372. Absolutely. So, guys, get in. And, of course, if you want more details, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And, finally, we have a text message here from Sky, and she says, You two kind of remind me of siblings. Yeah. I, thanks. Yeah, yep. I can see that. I, I can see that. Monica, my my wonderful sister in Christ, who... <laughs> how long have I known you for, Monica? I think, oh, it's been a minute. I think I met you the first time... At big camp. No, I think... Did I meet you before I that? Met you at, I think I was up visiting the South Wales when I was living in Melbourne, and I met you at big camp. And I remember for ages I heard about this new kid on the block called Lawson. He was so <laughs> cool. And, to, and I was going to love him, and I had to meet him, and so I did. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you are like a little brother to me. A little annoying, pesty little brother. Oh, wow. (laughs) I was was really appreciative. I'm like, I'd love to be Mon's brother, but not anymore. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Of course, just now you've heard the voice of the one and only Blake Penland doing a bit of an interlude there, who is currently traveling back to Australia, I assume. I think so. Do you do you like planes, Monica? Do you like no, flying? I, I I hate flying, but I love travel. Wow! So I do it because I want to go somewhere. You are not me. <laughs> you love I planes? love planes. Mm. I love being on the plane. Is like one of my favorite activities. <clears throat> it's okay. There's like a few like idealistic birthday presents that I have that mm-hmm. no one has ever gotten me, but is my ultimate suggestion if someone feels so compelled. <laughs> the first one is like. Uh, to get me a, a room at a hotel overnight, just literally anywhere. Like it can be anywhere because what you can do in a hotel is have really long showers and not, <laughs> and not, and not worry about your hot water Lossing. running out. Um, I think, I think on your birthday, you should feel okay having a nice long shower at your own shower. No, but this is that you'd run out. It's, oh, it's like no, all is a limited thing. That's okay. right. That's right. Um, and my other one is if you just want to buy me a return trip, literally anywhere. But that actually, that's not true. If it was literally anywhere, you could just send me to Melbourne on like one of those <laughs> tiny little planes. And I was just, I don't want to say tiny little. They're they're proper. They've got yeah, you've got yeah, a jet yeah. engines, but at the same time, you like you've got your arms like folded across your lap because there's absolutely. You no fly room. first class, don't you? Well, first class, I've never flown first class. I've never flown business. All my family has, but I, I've been the don't do it. The odd one out. You don't you don't recommend? I've done business class one time. I had to it was an emergency, it was the only ticket left on the plane. 
And I gotta tell you, I regret doing it because now I know what I'm missing. It is so good. It's so it good. So good. I even just I love economy. I love I love. But I did You're what weird. I what I did love was economy on Qantas because so Qantas got picked up by Emirates, right? And it became their like boutique, bougie kind of cool airline. And so, especially 2014, 2015, Qantas was the best. Qantas was amazing. But now Emirates has, what's what's the word for when they make the quality of the product worse? Just Sabotage the it? cost cut or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not only, like, Emirates itself have done that, but they've done that to Qantas as well. Okay. And so where Qantas used to be really amazing, it's now really average but you know hey international flight is a huge luxury and we we understand that maybe you don't or many people don't have the opportunity or the ability to do that it depends on how you look at it i see international travel as a necessity really yeah yeah. okay well in my life it has been uh sometimes it's been for work but for the most part it's been for holidays and whatnot Mm -hmm. but hey you're listening to the breakfast show this morning and we're going to talk about the way which will enable you to be able to go on an international flight. Oh, yeah. Because we're talking about work. What a segue. <laughs> what a segue. Because if, if you don't work, then you don't have money. If you don't have money, then you'll... You ain't going nowhere. You won't go anywhere. That's right. You Enjoy won't... Enjoy your backyard. That's <laughs> correct. <laughs> that's what I've been one. doing for the last five years. <laughs> that, that's 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 uh, the life of working in ministry. You enjoy, you enjoy your local surroundings. A lot more because you have a lot less opportunity to go on international flights. That's not true. There are plenty of ministers who are doing amazing international ministries. We had Doug Batchelor out here in January, got to meet the guy and sit in on a classroom that was running down in Melbourne. But, uh, but yeah, we're talking about the blessing of work this morning. Of course, this week, our, our quarter, the, the thing has been, the, the topic has been being a steward for the master or managing for the master. How is it that we use what God has given us to be a blessing? How has God called us to manage what we have? And then this week, our topic has been planning for success. And yesterday, we talked about how any work that we do, if we're working for God, then God will pay. And we had an amazing testimony. We had Grandpa Ron in here yesterday talking about tithe, talking about just the ways that God has worked in his life, particularly in regards to this. He said he'd been working as a carpenter, working 72 hours a week. But God, you know, in, in a situation in which he was, he didn't have the ability to earn lots of money, but God always provided and always gave him enough to raise his kids into the beautiful, amazing women that they are today. So praise God for the way that he worked in his life, but he recognized and we recognize when we're working for God, then God will pay. Now, today we're talking about the blessing of work. I just want to ask you the question, yeah. Monica. Yeah. Do you think work's a blessing? Oh, absolutely. Like really? 100%. Really? Yeah. Why is that? I know. I, I just, from personal experience, from having um, like been unemployed at certain stages of my life, you, I, I generally get this feeling come over me of just uselessness, of like mm. not contributing to society, of not like pulling my weight. And I hate that feeling of not doing my part. But what if like millions of dollars could be just deposited in, you, in your bank account right oh, now? I'd 100% be a philanthropist. <laughs> that, that, that's right. But it's I, I'm, I'm saying like the amount of money that you could receive that where you could just retire and say, I'm done with yeah, work, yeah. I'm shipping off to the Bahamas, yeah. I'm shipping off to the Maldives. That, that, I, know, I think there's a boredom that comes, and I think that malaise is something that rich people often feel when they, have, they you know, their mm. lives don't hold any meaning because they don't do anything. 
and they start turning to like drugs and stuff to get that sort of excitement. I think work is a necessary blessing to keep us sane almost. Mm, Absolutely. And I would say that because God has designed us that way. That's right. Let's have a look. Let's go to Genesis chapter two. So if you've got your Bible there, Monica, I'll hand it to you across the thing. Got Handing, handing the Bible, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. Now, of course, Genesis chapter 2 precedes Genesis chapter 3, or that's how I think mathematics works, as we, we've been talking about maths wow. this morning. Genesis 2 comes before Genesis 3. We know in Genesis 3 we have the fall of mankind, and from that fall, lots of things were necessitated uh, to take place that were you know, needful and, and, and useful because now we lived in a world of sin, including it talks about the hectic conditions in which work would now happen in, you know, by the sweat of your brow, you will grow things from the land, but the land will be harsh to you, these kinds of things. But preceding that, in the time of perfect creation, what was God's plan for humanity? Now, do you want to read Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15 for us? The Lord God placed a man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Absolutely. So God here has employed us. Do you think this is maybe why humans love... Because gardening, I, th- I think I've said this several times, but gardening is the single biggest hobby on the planet. Do you think it's because that's our original job that God gave us? It's gardening. You know who else is... And we, we were talking about these kinds of people this morning. You know who else I think is very satisfied with what they do? Animal conservationists. Oh, yeah. Because that's the God, that's the job that God yeah, gave us. Yeah. Tend to the garden. Look after the yeah. world. Look after the... You know, I think that even in a world of perfection husbandry would have been a a profession 100 yep. yep. percent. and by profession i mean a work that god has commissioned us to do to look after the animals to breed them together to put them in certain places to tend to their needs that's the work that god has given us to look after the world that he has given us he has given us a house planet earth and we have become his stewards his housekeepers and we are very bad tenants. Well, we have been, we were, yeah, we were given this work as managers. Not, not only are we like a tenant, right? As someone who pays to be there. Mm-hmm. We don't even pay. Oh, we true. we get paid to be there. We're like we're we're beneficiaries of all of God's we're blessings. You asked <laughs> literally squatters, and we messed up that gig, yeah. bro. We really, really messed up. But hey, praise God uh, for what he has given us. But we can see clearly here that even before sin took place, the need for work, the purpose of our lives to, to work and to manage this world was put in us. So we can say very clearly then that not working is something that is actually harmful and detrimental. Mm. Now, that being said, the world that we live in has created conditions of work that have necessitated lots of safeguards because there are so many issues that come with working. For example, exploitation. Mm -hmm. Exploitation is a terrible thing that happens, and you can talk about sweatshops or slavery or whatever it may be that definitely didn't exist before the flood, but because there is a need for work, not only for us biologically, we had this maybe social or psychological or physical need for work, but the world has also a need to be worked in. This is, this is what we see as well. We have a need to work because of the needs that we have. For example, if you don't go and let's say you're a subsistence farmer, if you don't go out into the field and farm and harvest and sow and do all of those things, you starve and die. Yeah. The Bible but, says a little folding of the hands and a little closing of the eyes and scarcity will come upon you like a rubber. That's right. Mm-hmm. So we have this need to work because it just 
serves our basic needs of being able to to live. Yet there's now there's slavery, now there's exploitation, now there's even overwork as well, like people not knowing how to do work-life balance, all kinds of difficult things. So the, the question is for us, well, how can we balance this God-given purpose that he's given us in a world of sin today? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Before we get into it, we're going to have a final clue for the quiz. What creature am I? Jesus said that in hell, this creature does not die and the fire is not quenched. Intense. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Get in the draw to win the double cookbook prize, the Revive Cafe Cookbook Series. Jesus said that in hell, this creature does not die and the fire is not quenched. What creature is that? Now, we have about you know, 10 minutes for our last section here, and we were going, we have been talking about the need for work. I think it's something that everyone can agree with. I think it's something that almost everyone has experienced, and we were going to talk about that. But I received a very interesting text message, and I wanted to talk about it instead, because I have my friend David here asking a theological question that I think is very, very interesting. So to cap off what we just studied, yes, God has called us to work simultaneously. He calls us to do his work with him in mind, and this is the best way to manage that. Now, David has sent us a text message, and in this text message, David says, don't we have to go through seven years of tribulation before Jesus returns? I think that we are going through some now, but things have to get a lot worse yet. What do you think? Now, David has sent in a text message here um, that is essentially reflecting on a commonly held belief within especially evangelical Christianity that there is a seven-year period of time before Jesus comes back that's called the tribulation. Before the trib, well, at the beginning of the tribulation, uh, commonly amongst evangelicals, there is a secret rapture that takes place. Then everyone else who doesn't get raptured then has, has to live on the earth while the Antichrist is revealed. The Antichrist is revealed, and then at the end of that seven years, there are people who supposedly have the second chance at salvation during that period of seven years, and then at the end, they will themselves see Jesus return and get to go to heaven as well if they decided to repent during that time. Now, David, I want to say wholeheartedly that the seven years of tribulation is something that absolutely does not exist in the Bible uh, and is an invention uh, oh, to, it's an invention to fit a certain Bible interpretation method called futurism. Now, what futurism is, is you take Bible prophecy of particularly apocalyptic prophecy of Daniel and Revelation, you pick it up and you throw it all of the way into the future and you say it will happen in the final seven years of Earth's history. Now, how we see Bible prophecy here at Faith FM is that Bible prophecy happens throughout the span of history. Uh, There are verifiable markers and timings that the Bible gives that can take place throughout history. Whereas the futurist says, no, uh, we're going to take Bible prophecy and and throw it all the way into the future. Now, the reason I don't subscribe to that version of Bible prophecy is because it actually goes against the usage of Bible prophecy as outlined by Jesus. Jesus says, I tell you these things before they come to pass so that when they come to pass you may believe. If Bible prophecy is happening throughout all of, all of history from, you know, 
throughout thousands of years of history since Jesus said that to now, then we can actually use that as a as as a promise. We can say, oh, Jesus said that these things would happen, and look, if I look at the span of history and I look at what was said by Jesus and I look at what was said by the Bible in regards to future events, hey, they actually did happen, and now I have more reason to believe in God. But if you pick up uh, all of Bible prophecy and chuck it in the future, particularly after the secret rapture takes place, then Bible prophecy loses its main and fundamental purpose, which is to give evidence to the things that Jesus was saying and that the prophets preach and to the Bible itself. You know, the Bible then can't verify whether it's true or not, because what the Bible does to, you know, the objective, tangible, testable evidence that the Bible gives to the fact that it's true is that, hey, I can tell the future. Nothing else can do that. Only God can do that. And now you can believe that this really is the word of God. Now, that all being said, when people lay out a futurist futurism theology, they say, yes, there is this seven years of tribulation that happens at the end of time. Now, there's only one verse in the Bible that talks in regards to Bible prophecy that talks about a seven-year period, and that's in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27, where the Bible says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation, which is determined, which is poured out on the desolate. So the futurist would take that verse and say, yes, this is a seven-year period at the end of time. Now, the thing is, is that this seven, this one week that it's talking about, now this is within Bible prophecy, and we know that in Bible prophecy, a day equals a year. Bible prophecy is often written in metaphors and symbols, but the Bible gives us the tools to be able to understand those metaphors and symbols, and we know that a day equals a year. Now, This seven-year period comes within a prophecy from Daniel chapter 9 about a 490-year period. It calls it the 70-week prophecy, which 7 by 70, 490. This is a 490-year period. That 490-year period starts at, according to this, from when the temple in Jerusalem is rebuilt. Now, we know that in the context of Daniel, he exists at a time under the rule of Babylon uh, in which the temple was not built. And then under the rule of the Medo-Persians, specifically in 457, the decree was made for the temple to be rebuilt. Now, it says that there's 70 weeks in this time period, but it says that there's a period of 62 weeks plus 7 weeks in verse 26. So a a period of 69 weeks or 483 years from the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. Now, if you do some calculations, we have the decree of the temple being rebuilt in Jerusalem in... 457, we then, uh, Jerusalem being built in 457, we then, if you plus 483 years to that, if you get out your calculator, you'll see that that lands on the year 27 AD. And what took place in 27 AD? Jesus was baptized. And so this is an amazing, amazing prophecy about the exact coming of Christ. Now, As we said before, it's a 70-week prophecy or a 490-year prophecy, and we used 483 years to get all the way up into the time in which Jesus was baptized and started his ministry. Then we come to verse 27, where it says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. By the way, we're in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. 
He shall confirm a covenant with one week, but in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Well, what's in the middle of seven? What's, you know, half of seven? That's three and a half in the middle of one week. Three and a half years after 27 AD, he brings an end to sacrifice and offering. What was that? Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Amen. Like the most amazing, incredible act of love to ever happen takes place. Now, where people get confused is that afterwards it talks about the destruction of the temple. But if you read throughout Daniel chapter 9 and you read this prophetic section from 24 to 27, it's in what we call alternating parallelisms. And basically what that means, you read 24, it says it starts off with the reconciliation of sins. That's the first half of verse 24. The second half of verse 24 uh, seal up the vision of the Most Holy. The first half of verse 25 talks about the Messiah. The second half of verse 25 talks about the temple. The first half of verse 26 talks about the Messiah. The second half of verse 26 talks about the temple. The first half of verse 27 talks about the Messiah. And the second half of verse 27 talks about the temple. So you have, if you, and this is a very, very common way in which Jewish Jews wrote poetry. And that's why it's in poetic form when you read it in the Bible. It's in that you know, specific style of writing uh, because scholars have I- identified that that is the Hebrew that they were writing at the time. So if you come to this prophecy and you read it in its context, you realize this isn't talking about a seven-year period of tribulation happening at the end of time, but rather it's talking about a, a, an amazing prophecy about the Messiah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different continuing on and hey look we don't have a final clue for the quiz because there's just no more clues i mean there is that there is always one more clue no but we're not going to say it if they could if they couldn't get it from everything we've given so because the final clue on the card is just like it's a multiple choice one of them is correct yeah yeah, you know what actually you can say it okay okay what creature am i i am either an elephant a turkey or a worm it's a worm by the way (laughs) Yeah, because this is the time in which we reveal oh, the oh, quiz yeah, answer. Right. <laughs> I was so shocked just now. <laughs> that's right. We give out the answer now. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I, wow. I, I kind of could see. I'm like, she's not getting that. Like, we're supposed <laughs> to give away the answer. <laughs> when you were like, you can just say it. I thought you can say the last quiz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I wanted you to do that so I could oh. prank you, which is funny. But the answer's worm. So congratulations, <laughs> yes, everyone. You got it correct. So the Lord proclaimed that those who insult and reproach his people will be devoured by worms. And after being struck by an angel, Herod's body was eaten by worms. A worm chewed up a vine that God had provided as shade for Jonah. Job said his body was clothed with scabs and worms. And Jesus said that in hell, this creature does not die. Worms do not die and their fire will not be quenched. The fire. Amazing. Indeed. Well played, everyone. Congratulations, all those who got it right. All those who didn't get it right, back to the Bible to you. So our first bit of half of the Bible study, we talked about working and what God has called us to do in terms of, you know, the blessing of work and why it's good. The other half of the Bible study, I did a Daniel chapter 9 prophecy seminar. We, we had seminar. a really great question. We had a coming. really fantastic yeah. question, and I felt like this is this is important because it's something that that absolutely needs to be addressed. You know, prophecy mm. prophecy is something that people are becoming heightenedly interested in, especially because, and the grounds of this question is, well, shouldn't there be tw- seven years of tribulation? Look at all the terrible things that are happening in the world right now. Mm. And the point that I was making ultimately is that there isn't a seven-year period of tribulation. There's just tribulation and Jesus comes back. Yeah, It's an undisclosed period of time 
of tribulation and then we know about you know the mark of the beast at that time that's a whole nother study but i want to marry our two topics the blessing of work and tribulation now the interesting thing the seven years of tribulation um doctrine or this futurism doctrine what it also necessitates is the idea of the secret rapture Mm. and now this is a huge problem because basically what the secret rapture says to you what it communicates is that you have a second chance at salvation. And what I mean by that is because God gives us so many chances throughout our life of salvation, right? Like he is always forgiving us. He's always blessing us. But at some point, there is an end. And as we're talking about the, the blessing of work, we have one life to live in and to work. And, and we have uh, Solomon saying, you know, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Uh, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. When Jesus comes back, that's it. It's over. And there's not going to be a secret rapture before then that then gives you a seven-year period to make up your mind about whether you want to go to heaven or not. Today is the time. Today is the time to decide, hey, I want to follow God. I want to give my all to him. Just as also today is the time to to, to work, you know, for God. Uh, whatever whatever God has called us to do in this day, let us do it. And, and Jesus says as well, he says, walk while you have the light lest darkness overtake you. A little while longer, I am with you, um, but soon I won't be. And there is a point in which Jesus will not be with us, and and that is called destruction. Mm -hmm. And so up until that point, the opportunity that we have to work for God, you know, just as we look at our life and we're like, yeah, I want to retire and I want to be comfortable, you know, and whatnot, so I need to get the work done today. It's like, hey, do you want to retire in eternity? Do you want to retire from sin in eternity? Mm, amen. The decision is today. It's it's the decision is today. There is no second chance. There is no before and after, secret rapture, second coming. No, it's Jesus is coming back soon. The world is getting worse and worse and worse. He's coming at an hour in which we do not know. There's a few things to happen still before he comes back. We need to see the mark of the beast and that turmoil take place and whatnot. But you know, definitely before Jesus comes back, we won't have the opportunity to speak on radio like this or have a job in ministry like this. The world is truly getting worse, but we have a decision today to make for towards Jesus. And every single day, it gets more difficult and more difficult to make that decision. So we wholeheartedly encourage you and the, the listeners of Faith FM, wherever you are, make that decision today, or at least make the decision to get to know Jesus more mm. so that you can make that decision. That's what we want to do. That's why we exist. That's that's Amen. what we're all about. Amen. Uh, you are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning, and we've, we've come to the end of our time here. Mom, what are you up to today? I'm going to do some crochet and go to work. Nice. I'm going to do something. I'm actually, I'm going to meet someone and do <laughs> a Bible Come join study. me at the op shop. Oh, oh, I would love to come to the op shop. Hey, right now, remember to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, to buy op shop clothes, and you'll grow strong in <laughs> Jesus Christ. God be with you. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.